This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth in Mission. Let's do a quick gut check. How is everyone feeling? Has the reopening felt liberating for you? Scary? Anxiety-inducing? A mixture of all the emotions? It certainly has been for me. About a week ago, I shared that I had a breakthrough COVID infection despite being fully vaccinated, which I think can be traced back to a crowded social situation I found myself in. Now I'm not sure how best to socialize anymore. Sometimes it feels like we're all reverting to that awkward stage in high school. We've all had one, right? I know I did. Is it better to be like that timid wallflower at a high school dance who watches everyone else? Is being the wallflower suddenly the cooler way to be? I couldn't think of a better person to talk through all of this with than Tony Bravo, the Chronicle's arts and culture columnist. I wanted to ask him how we should embrace this new awkward we're all finding ourselves in and how we should negotiate FOMO, the fear of missing out, as we move forward. Tony Bravo, tell me what the past few weeks have looked like for you. What does your social life look like these days? It looks like a social life again. Uh, It looks active. I'm going out. I am seeing people that I missed for the last 15 months. It is a wonderful, anxious, um, happy, slightly nerve-wracking feeling to be returning a little bit to the life that I knew 15 months ago as an arts reporter. Um, Feeling good, but uh, playing it safe. Did it feel like, I mean, I wonder what reopening week felt like for you. Did it feel like ripping off a Band-Aid and you're just like, I'm here? Or did you just sort of cautiously, slowly rip off the bandage? (laughs) How did that go for you? As reporters, it's interesting. We sometimes get a little bit less uh, say-so in some of these things than private citizens do. Uh, Reopening happened, and relatively quickly after that, uh, things in the arts world started happening again. Uh, There were gallery parties. Uh, Pride Week was not too long after that. Events leading up to Pride Weekend started uh, shortly after the reopening. I cautiously ripped the Band-Aid off, I think, to attend a lot of things that had larger groups. And um, I used my common sense and tried to figure out where I was comfortable standing, how comfortable I was being surrounded by people. And no matter where I've gone, I've kept a mask with me just in case uh, my spidey senses go off and tell me there's a lot of people around you. Perhaps it might be good to put this back on. And what has made an impression on you so far being out and about, celebrating with friends and seeing folks? What stood out to you so far? Well, what's wonderful, Cecilia, is that people really seem genuinely happy to see each other. I think in city life, we can lose uh, some of the joy just with how hard it is to continue living in cities like San Francisco, where the rent is high and it feels like we have to do a lot of work just to maintain where we are. Seeing the relief on people's faces, seeing people's faces, uh, that that was kind of a new thing after the last 15 months. 
uh, seeing the really genuine happiness that people have to be doing kind of mundane things that we took for granted. Um, but also I am noticing that people are tentative like I am in different types of interactions. I think it's interesting to watch people do this hesitant little dance of do we hug? Do we shake hands? Do we bump elbows? Should we put a mask on before we hug? I'm also noticing that people are um, just over the top careful in certain tasks. Mm, like what? Uh, handling anything to do with food mm. is interesting to watch people kind of dance around the utensils and um, express their discomfort maybe with sharing uh, utensils for something like a um, like a salad dish or something where multiple people will be handling the serving utensils. I think there's also an interesting dance that happens when rooms or even outdoor places start to fill up where people start to assess their space a little bit differently. And I've seen people ask for more social distance still. And so far, nobody's complained about that request, which is as it should be. We should all respect the person with the strongest level of uh, pandemic precaution. Yeah, I wonder, like navigating those awkward conversations, you know, I'm someone who is a self-proclaimed introvert, but I think the pandemic has made me think, mm, maybe I'm, I'm a little more extroverted than I thought because I've craved <laughs> social interactions. But this social awkwardness, has it become sort of part of the norm now? Have you observed that? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I feel it's a great equalizer. So many of us go through life awkward about many things involving social interactions, any, you know, in normal circumstances. Now that shoe, I think, is very much on everyone's foot, even if you yourself are not necessarily feeling awkward about what sort of the new normal is and how we interact. You're surrounded by people that are, or you have people that will express uh, their uncertainty or their awkwardness or their discomfort. I think this is a great equalizing kind of wake-up check that um, we always should have been checking in with each other about some of these things. And, you know, if you are discovering that you're a little bit more extroverted than you thought, I think that a lot of people may have discovered that they're more introverted than they maybe initially felt um, now that they've had the option to explore a lot of self-reflective time. Yeah. And how do we best move through this awkwardness? What you're calling now our new equalizer, how should folks push through it? So I'm going to summon two very specific experiences that I've had to explain this. Um, I am a California-raised Bay Area child, so I've had a lot of preventative therapy. <laughs> and that's very big on checking in. You know, like you check in with your therapist, you learn to check in with each other. It was just part of the Bay Area childhood culture I was raised in. I agree. I also uh, previously wrote a love and sex uh, blog for SFGate and wrote a relationship column for the old style section of the Chronicle. And in covering, um, you know, sexuality, uh, different kink communities, checking in and consent are huge cornerstones of both of those discussions. So I would say the way to address this awkwardness is head on. Ask people what they're comfortable with. Express what you yourself are comfortable with. I don't think anybody should feel awkward about saying, you know, that's not for me. We're not doing restaurants quite yet. And the person that is getting the no should be gracious about that uh, because you have your own things that you're uncomfortable with. Everyone's going at a different pace, and that's okay. Yeah, and staying just non-judgmental about everyone's comfort levels seems to be key to navigating all of this. 
I mean, I think it is important at this point now that we are, you know, in a safer spot with the pandemic and with case counts down and hospitalizations down. Like, we do need some levity and some socializing in our life, but the dangers are still out there. I mean, I I shared with, you know, the podcast audiences a couple weeks ago that I got a positive COVID test um, during reopening week, which I think I attributed to me maybe ripping off the Band-Aid too quickly. You know, are you having those kind of very candid conversations about the risks? Or is that just like a killjoy, like just really just kills the mood of the social levity that we're all craving? No, I'm uh, I'm having the conversations. As a journalist, um, I covered the news side of the pandemic for the first few months. I followed the coverage very closely. I know what the risks are um, if you get it. I, I am also following all of the current news, uh, things about Delta variant, whatever the newest recommendations are by health officials, uh, how things are changing at, at state and local level. Um, I, I think it is important to not only be understanding and check in, but also continue to stay well-informed on all of this. If you don't know the facts of what's going on with the virus now, you can't make the best decision. So subscribe to The Chronicle and be (laughs) really well-informed. Shameless plug, yeah. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. So when you are invited to a social event, what are sort of the factors that you weigh against one another? How do you make that calculation? Because one thing that stood out to me in a conversation I had with Chronicle reporter Ideen Vaziri a couple weeks ago is now with reopening, the state has really shifted the burden of responsibility around personal safety onto the individual. And now we have to make all these calculations. How how do you do it? Well, that is a great question. I think there's two tiers for me. There are um, the regular things that would usually be on my calendar that have small groups, uh, regular coffee dates before the farmer's market with dear friends, uh, Tuesday night dinners with friends. And we, the people that participate in those, all have levels of pandemic protocol, evolving levels of pandemic protocol that we're all comfortable with and familiar with. And we do not feel that these vaccinated people are a huge risk. And we keep the groups small. And in the case of the farmer's market, the interaction outside And those are kind of givens. Then we get into things that I think of as sort of the reunion invitations. Mm. We haven't seen you in months. We're having a small group of people together. Um, You know, what do you, would you like to come? I generally ask how small is the group? Um, I, I feel like I have a good indication through my social circles that most people, um, if not all, will be vaccinated. But I have actually asked um, if People know if there's going to be any unvaccinated guests at things. So far, I've not had a yes to that. Everybody um, is at least telling hosts that they're vaccinated. But I think that's a fair question to mm-hmm. ask. And I assess those types of gather- gatherings on a case-by-case basis. If it is an invitation like, would you like to come out to this performance? Would you like to go to a restaurant? Would you like to sit in this uh, enclosed space and breathe air with other people? For an extended period, 
I do a little bit more research. I have not gotten out of the habit of carrying masks with me. And I, I think that no matter what, we've all just learned that for the rest of our lives, we should always be good about washing our hands and not touching our eyes with our hands when they're dirty or any other parts of our faces. So I'm trying to keep a lot of the lessons I learned. Have you allowed yourself, you know, the pleasure of interacting with strangers? You know, one thing that I realize I've missed is just these organic interactions that you have, whether that's meeting someone new and saying hello or being in a crowded bar even. Have you have you allowed yourself to do that? I did a bar in New York mm. uh, when I was traveling about a month ago, a little bit ahead of our reopening schedule. And that felt wonderful. And it felt a little bit scary. But we were so enclosed with plexiglass. I felt like I was in a Yoko Ono art show. <laughs> uh, so that helped me feel pretty safe. Yeah. Um, the happenstance things that you're talking about, you know, a, a hello at the grocery store Hey, I haven't seen you for a long time uh, when you're out at a park. Those things are happening again, and they bring me so much joy. Mm -hmm. Those have been some of the best reunions because I think we are learning how much we how much we appreciate people without fully um, having people necessarily be cornerstones of my life uh, of our lives. Those people, I think the happenstance people, I think, have their own special place, yeah. Is there something that you've put on the back burner for now and you're just like, I'm going to wait for a while until I feel safer, until I do that? What what can't you wait to do once that time comes? You know, that's <laughs> I got married in uh, February of oh, 2020. Congratulations. And my husband and I, thank you. It was a really weird and great time to get married. We got to have our wedding, a lot of our Friends that were also engaged have had to do big postponements, so we're very grateful. But our uh, planned European honeymoon is probably not going to happen until later in 2022 now. Mm -hmm. What about you? Do you have anything that you are dying to do? And am I allowed to ask you if you've um, changed any of your approaches to things following your positive diagnosis a couple weeks ago? Well, I am officially out of quarantine, and let me tell you, it is not worth it. I mean, I think we've all done quarantine for almost a year and a half, but having to do a 10-day quarantine, thankfully, my symptoms were so mild. Uh, but, you know, in that reopening week, I ripped off that Band-Aid, Tony. And I think the lesson there was I should have probably uh, held back on my own FOMO a little bit. You know, I think I was just so eager to be back with friends, to laugh with friends with my mask off, to venture into the bars. Um, and I did do a little bit of that just for like a day or two. And, and then I got my positive test. So I think the lesson I've been preaching to folks is like FOMO isn't really worth the, the risk, which is obviously still there. And I wonder what you think in terms of just lessons that we've learned from the past year is, you know, I think before pandemic, we've been so largely defined by FOMO, seeing what other people are doing, but we can't really let that define our activities anymore. I absolutely agree. I think that we also changed our relationship with social media mm -hmm. in this last year. And social media was the thing that was helping manufacture this kind of new brand of FOMO that we've known for the last decade. I, I hope that people realize after a year of seeing deaths from COVID of 
seeing the devastation that this has wrought across the world, that FOMO has to be practiced responsibly, Mm -hmm. like anything else. And that one night out at a packed uh, club is not worth uh, potential long-term COVID uh, problems, spreading this to somebody that is uh, compromised in your circle. Um, You know, fear of missing out should now extend to fear of missing out on everything else that could possibly happen if you die from this preventable disease or um, if you end up with long-term symptoms. I think that we have bigger consequences Mm -hmm. to weigh now rather than just missing the selfie opportunity. Yeah, we need a new acronym. It can't just be FOMO anymore. Um, I mean, do you feel optimistic that when we finally are out of this, whatever that may feel like or be like, that we're getting out of this in better shape in terms of how we all relate to one another? I think in some ways we absolutely are. I think the people that are prone to checking in and to having conversations about feelings were validated this year, people like myself, Mm -hmm. um, and that a lot of people had to learn that. And I think that the people that were already doing that will continue doing that. I think there are people that will um, certainly approach human relationships differently and more positively after having been denied them for the last 15 months. Uh, That being said, I have noticed a lot of people going back to just sort of immediately sharing drinks again at gay pride parties and kissing strangers, which is not a moral judgment. It's more of a hygiene judgment (laughs) right now in light of um, what we know about transmission. And that type of stuff worries me. I I wish that... um, we continue to act like the the pandemic is at our doorstep because it is at the doorsteps of many places. And um, I think that new acronym we're looking for might be FOMOR, Fear of Missing Out Responsibly. Oh, so I th- have FOMOR. Wow, I think you should trademark that. That's really good. I think we should trademark that together. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is a collaboration, so I think we should both get the residuals. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. Well, you know, one thing I'm looking forward to is finally meeting Chronicle colleagues in person, which I haven't done. We've only I've only met folks through Zoom, but it's good to know that when we finally meet, we'll know to ask each other how we feel before we shake hands. Maybe we won't shake hands, but at least greet each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the funny thing, Cecilia, is you've. It seems like you've hosted this forever. Um, <laughs> you are. I felt like I knew you already when I introduced myself on Slack and realized, oh no, it's just because <laughs> she's in my house, like on my podcast. We we don't actually know each other. We don't. There's a lot of new people. I think that we will meet um, not only at the Chronicle but in a lot of businesses. And I think as offices continue to reopen. That's going to be a fantastic conversation. Um, how do you redevelop bonds with uh, coworkers? Uh, how do you bond with coworkers that you've only known on Slack? Uh, you know, it, it's a new world. It's a new world. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you in it very soon. Me too. And congratulations on everything you've done with the podcast. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for chatting. Tony Bravo is the Chronicle's arts and culture columnist. You can find his essay, Embracing the New Awkward as the Pandemic Eases, and his other writing on sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Special thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening. 